I'm Manolo Quezon, and this is the Explainer Podcast. Happy Independence Day! I'm glad to have the Explainer back, but this time as a podcast. Though you may just see me on video one of these days. For this, the inaugural episode of the Manolo Quezon is the Explainer Podcast, I thought something musical would be perfectly suited to an all-audio format. So join me for a quick gallop through time to the tempo of some pretty historical tunes. Independence Day might currently be the official birthday of our country, but not everyone agrees that this should be the case. That being said, let's discuss this some other time. For now, It's also important to remember that June 12th is also the birthday of our national anthem. Less well known is that our present anthem wasn't the first composition that could claim the distinction. That first belongs to a piece titled Marangal na Dalit ng Katagalugan. It was composed by Julio Nakpil. According to Jim Richardson, the British scholar who has done the most interesting and comprehensive research on Bonifacio, the story goes like this. In a letter, Bonifacio mentioned he received a copy of the, quote, Himno Nacional, that is, the national anthem, that Nakpil had sent him. Julio Nakpil himself later recounted that in November 1896, while they were encamped with Katipunan soldiers in the vicinity of Balara, which is now in Quezon City, Andres Bonifacio asked him to compose an anthem. It seems to have been widely adopted because up to 1898, Nakpil still remembered the hymn being performed in Cavite and Laguna. Now, in case you've never heard it before, here is what our first national anthem sounded like. What you just listened to was actually reconstructed from memory by Julio Nakpil because the original musical arrangement was destroyed during the battle for Manila in 1945. Nakpil reconstructed the former national anthem from memory and incorporated it in an orchestral work titled Salve Filipinas. Incidentally, Nakpil himself became the husband of Gregoria de Jesus, Bonifacio's widow, and so she is buried in the Nakpil family plot in the North Cemetery. Which brings us to the Philippine National Anthem. Personally, I think it's one of the best. But for today's purists, it's 100% a product of cultural appropriation. The story goes that on June 5, 1898, having returned from his Hong Kong exile, Emilio Aguinaldo met with Julian Felipe and asked him to compose a national anthem. 
Felipe, in his memoirs, said he turned to three musical pieces for more than just inspiration, but rather the basis for our national anthem. Now, back when the official gazette and the presidential museum and library were active online, our team put together a short audio presentation that I'm pleased to share with you again as a product of a talented young team. Take a listen. The Philippine National Anthem by Julian Felipe was inspired by three musical pieces, namely the Marcha Real, the Grand March from Ida, and La Marsillaise. The Marcha Real is the national anthem of Spain. It is unique among national anthems because it does not have any lyrics. Listen to this portion of the Marcha Real. Having listened to the Marcha Real, let's now compare it to the beginning of our national anthem. The second part of the national anthem is taken from the Grand March from Giuseppe Verdi's Aida. Played in almost every graduation exercise in the Philippines, this song was said to have inspired the middle portion of our national anthem. Listen to this excerpt from the Grand March from Ida. And now, listen to the middle part of our national anthem and see how one inspired the other. The final part of our national anthem takes its inspiration from the revolutionary anthem of France. Listen to this portion of La Marsillaise, which is also the French national anthem. And now we compare it to the final portion of our national anthem. And now, let us listen to the national anthem of today. Flag Days begins on May 28 and culminates on Independence Day on June 12. 
This presentation was brought to you by the Presidential Communications Development and Strategic Planning Office and the Presidential Museum and Library. Aside from the national anthem, there is a thread in our historical music involving the appropriation of songs. Take the next one you're about to hear. It started out as a Spanish military march. We can assume its liveliness imprinted it in the minds and even hearts of our revolutionaries, so much so that they took it for themselves. They gave it a new title, Alerta Katipunan. I once read the memoirs of General Artemio Ricarte, and he recounted that in one instance, Katipuneros out to attack a Spanish blockhouse were preceded by a band, which played as the Filipinos marched up a hill to attack the Spanish. It must have sounded like this old recording of the march. Alerta Katipunan as played by a proper band. Now imagine the effect on besieged Spanish troops as the Filipinos approached, playing a tune the Spaniards had once called their own. But to really get the morale-boosting effect of the era, you should listen to this version, performed by the group Inanglaya, with vocals by the late Karina Constantino David, daughter of the writer Renato Constantino and the wife of Randy David. Long ago, before she died, she gave permission for this recording to be shared, so here it is. Remember, it's a Spanish march with lyrics by revolutionary Filipinos. If we had tunes we confiscated from the imperialists, the imperialists themselves had their own musical motivation. The famed band leader and composer John Philip Sousa composed a march to commemorate the Spanish-American War, titled Hands Across the Seas. But American troops themselves turned to their era's pop music for musical accompaniment. 
The American journalist Stanley Carno, in his bestseller In Our Image, America's Empire in the Philippines, mentions that one song was so popular that Filipinos thought it was the American national anthem and that we supposedly reverently took off our hats whenever American military bands played it. The song, which you're about to listen to, was titled There'll Be a Hot Time in the Old Town Tonight, and here it is performed by Bessie Smith. national anthem until much later, uh, until the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Now, to tell you what a long life some songs can have, in the version of Batman, where Jack Nicholson played the Joker in one scene, he actually briefly sings this song. Imagine that. Now, most histories of the Filipino-American War quote the racist lyrics of American soldier songs, one of the most quoted being one that went, damn, 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 the Filipino which American soldiers sang at reunions until President Woodrow Wilson banned it. But one song that endured was this next one, which in turn was based on a tune the Americans appropriated from the Spanish and the Filipinos. Here's the original song, which remains a familiar folk song. According to Arnold Zwicky, it was composed by a Spaniard, Juan Cuadrado, who had married a Zambongueña. It became popular because an African-American musician and conductor, Walter Loving, arranged it. Now, remember that name, by the way, Walter Loving. We'll meet him again later. Anyway, the song's title is Note Vayas de Samwanga, and here's an excerpt as performed by the group Major Chords. Note Vayas, Note Vayas de Samwanga, que me puedes, que me puedes olvidar. A lovely song suitable for many occasions. It is also often performed as a military march. But American soldiers gave it their own lyrics, which were immortalized in a World War II movie meant to celebrate Filipino-American resistance to the Japanese. Here's no less than John Wayne and Friends singing it in a scene from the movie they were expendable. The monkeys have no tails in Samboanga. Oh, the monkeys have no tails in Samboanga. Oh, the monkeys have no tails. They were bitten off by whales. Oh, the monkeys have no tails in Samboanga. Hey, Doc! Stop that record. Oh, the humanity. Imagine that. It was meant to celebrate Filipino-American resistance. Well, moving on. So let me bring you back to the man who musically arranged Notevayas de Samwanga, 
As I mentioned, Walter Loving was an African-American. He became the conductor of the Philippine Constabulary Band, which was famous before World War II. The poor man, already retired, was killed in the Battle for Manila in February 1945. Walter Loving, a black man, the son of a former slave, the first black man to conduct a musical performance at the White House, had many Filipino friends. Among them was Manuel El Queso. Now, in 1922, when Quezon split the Nacionalista Party, establishing the Partido Colectivista Liberal, which in turn was an ancestor of today's Liberal Party, the man who composed the Colectivista anthem was Walter Loving. It's a complicated but very jolly piece of music. An uncle of mine, Dr. Andres Aragon Angara, recounted to me how in their hometown of Baler in that year of 1922, the town band instantly learned the song and played it nonstop, morning, noon, and night in that dramatic political year. He told me the song had a very long life. He himself last heard it performed by the band of the anti-malaria unit of the Department of Health in the 1970s. That's a 50-year run a long time for a political song. Many years later, to my pleasant surprise, a Filipino-American Banduria group uploaded a recording of it on YouTube, not knowing the origins of the song. Now here is a much older recording, but it gives you that old sensation of political celebration. Listen to the first part. Listen to the second part, the refrain of the Marcha Colectivista. of the Commonwealth, this march ended up having an alternative title, El Presidente, for obvious reasons. And this is a recording under that title in true military style.
Again, what was a song for a particular campaign, that of 1922, seems to have become indivisibly identified with Quezon. By the way, Loving then became the conductor of the Philippine Army Band during the Commonwealth. But there's more. Remember how Katipuneros confiscated a Spanish march and made it their own and American soldiers bastardized a lovely local tune? Well, appropriating music continued long after the Filipino-American War. In Anglaya, the group that performed Alerta Katipunan with lyrics also recorded this song. Take a listen. Sulung tayo, sandatahan. Pasanin ang leaflet, garan, automatic at masingkan. Gaygayin ng mundo, bukit kaparangan. Tambangan natin, pasistang hapones na tulisan. Huwag gidahil ang pagod, gutom muhang hirap antok. Ang tulog natin sa gulod, walang banig, walang humo. Maraming lamok, maraming langgang, ito ay dahil sa bayan, sinisiil ng tayo. Nagkukunuang kaibigan Pagkusay kanit ng mga ngamkam Ganyan ang buhay naming hukpalahat Sa paglaban Hindi magtitigil hanggang paglayay In other words, the march identified with President Quezon was rebranded as the wartime march of the Hukbalahap or the Hukbong Bayan Laban sa Hapon, the communist guerrillas fighting the Japanese and, later, the post-war Philippine government. In a twist of fate, in 1949, the Hooks would ambush and kill Quezon's widow, eldest daughter, and son-in-law. On a lighter note, we're now in the 1940s and 1950s, and the marching music of old was now facing competition from other styles. In 1953, looking for a campaign theme, Carlos P. Romolo thought a tango would give the right touch to his potential presidential campaign. Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Romolo Tango. Context you need is that the other unofficial anthem of the Commonwealth years was a tango, La Comparsita, that was President Quezon's favorite. But in the year 1953, what was a throwback to 1935 was already sounding just about as antique as an old-fashioned march. 
Now, something else came along and it started in 1949 when a Cuban musician named Perez Prado went to Mexico, merged the rhythms of his native Cuba with the big band jazz style of America and popularized a beat called the Mambo, which took the world by storm. So much so that by 1951, when Manila for the first time got to directly elect its mayors, the two main candidates both looked to Perez Prado for their campaign music style. Here's a campaign song of the incumbent Manuel Manolo de la Fuente, pre-war politico, who was incumbent mayor. So old school, it's still in Spanish. But De La Fuente was up against a famous radio commentator, one-time sports columnist, and political pugilist, Arsenio Laxon. Listen to his campaign, Mambo. As you can tell, it was certainly catchier. The Mambo craze so swept the Philippines that in liner notes to one Perez Prado album, a Filipino has a cameo, no less than President Elpidio Quirino, who declared that the Mambo craze was a national calamity. Okay, let's catch our breath for a moment. You saw how the Romulo tango was already out of style and how traditional marches were on their way out. But more than the tango, a march was the traditional musical means to mobilize people. 
1953, when a former member of President Quirino's cabinet decided to run against his former boss, his campaign's first musical effort was what you're about to listen to. Its title, We Want Magsaysay, sung by the late, great baritone Aurelio Estanislao and composed by the late, great Raul Manglapos. focus on this piece for a moment. At the time it was composed, Raul Manglapus was a young ex-guerrilla. Yet the march to summon people to join the guy's great crusade was, if you listen to the words, an exercise in nostalgia in a country only embarking on its fourth presidential election. But apparently something timelier was needed. Why not a mambo? So Manglapus, gifted musician that he was, cranked the original R.M. Mambo out. Take a listen. Obviously a sophisticated musical piece, but you need a catchy tune to drive people to the polls. Now the third time proved the charm because Manglapus made musical history and created a political calamity for Quirino with this next tune. You've probably heard it before, but listen to it with fresh ears. Here's the Mambo Magsaysay. Everywhere 
that you would look was a bandit or a crook. Peace and order was a joke. Till Magsay Tay Pumasuk. That is why, that is why you will hear the people cry. Our democracy will die. Mumbo, mumbo, Magsay Tay. Mumbo, mumbo, Magsay Tay. Mumbo, mumbo, Magbo Our democracy will die. Mumbo, Magsay Tay. Voted in Lanao at pati at suwang padaw Ang eleksyon lutong makaw Till magsaysay show them how That is why, that is why You will hear the people cry Our democracy will die Kung wala si magsaysay Mambo, mambo, magsaysay Mabu, mabu, mabuhan Our democracy will die Kung wala si magsaysay Kirino called the Mambo a national calamity. A generation later, another Ilocano president, also called the Apo, would bring back the march in a big way. Now remember Raul Manglapuse's We Want Magsaysay? What seemed old-fashioned in 1953 was new again in 1973 when President Marcos made this march, the official theme song of his new society.
1953 had been the Battle of the Ilocanos, the old Apo Quirino and the guy Magsaysay, with another younger Ilocano, Raul Manglapos, as the tunesmith in between, who'd been part of the Magsaysay boom, the same tune would musically haunt another Apo, this time Apo Ferdinand Marcos, because in February 1986, as she broadcast over Radio Bandido, June Keithley would re resurrect an old Manglapos song, but this time in its Ilocano version to mock the Apo holed up in the palace. You know this tune, but you'd have to be Ilocano to see the sting in the words. If this wasn't musical revenge, I don't know what is. Because Raul Manglapus had become a senator after Magsaysay's time, then ran against Ferdinand Marcos for the presidency and lost, and then became a delegate to the 1971 Constitutional Convention, only to be abroad when martial law was declared. He became one of the leaders of the opposition in exile. But many, many moons earlier, when he'd still been a bright young orator just catching public attention, he'd also composed a march, a fighting song actually, for his alma mater, the Ateneo. They still sing it today. But hold on, let's listen to it as it was meant to be sung. Here is that great late baritone Aurelio Stanislaus singing it in the old style of college games of long ago. Long after Sanislao and Manglapus were gone, an Atenean became president. 
Now, there's a tradition for our presidents. They have their own version of Hail to the Chief, which we'll listen to in a few moments. But also, presidents get to choose a song which reflects themselves, which is traditionally played not when they arrive, but when they are leaving. For Gloria Macapagal Arroyo, for example, it was Atin Kupung Sing Sing. For her successor, Benigno Esaquino III, it was the fighting song of his alma mater. Now here it is performed by the band of the Presidential Security Group under the baton of Major Xavier Celestial. us to our last song, a song that gained its fame by accident. It was originally composed as a drinking song of sorts by a band leader who performed at the Manila Hotel. His name is one people know, but only because they know his grandson. The band leader's name, a big-time one in the pre-war years, was Tirso Cruz. Now, the song he composed was We Say Mabuhay, and the lore is that he took to playing it in an upbeat greeting whenever President Quezon would arrive at the Manila Hotel. Now, I remember watching the first State of the Nation address of President Cory Aquino, and as she entered the Batasan Session Hall, classical music started to play, and I found my father rather ticked off. I didn't understand why until the next year when, as Corey entered the Batasan Session Hall again, a band proceeded to belt out We Say Mabuhay, and my father turned to me, smiling, and said, There, that's the proper introduction for our presidents. You know it for sure, and not just because of presidents. We Say Mebuhay, as far as anyone can tell, is a presidential anthem by popular choice and not by any actual official document or order. Presidents Quezon and Ramos, half a century apart, both separately commissioned presidential anthems with the same title, Batala Bless the President. And one from the Commonwealth was still taught in schools until the early 1980s. However, the Ramos version never seems to have taken off. But it was Tirso Cruz's composition that has stood the test of time. 
However, each generation leaves its mark on the song. In 2010, after one ceremony, President Benigno Aquino III remarked to me that whenever they played that song, he felt like he was marching in his own funeral procession. It turns out that song was Mabuhay and it had sounded funereal ever since the Marcos era when it was arranged to sound like this. Well, something had to be done musically. A song meant to be happy had become too stiff. And so we looked for examples from before martial law from the long line of presidents who hadn't had martial law and brought back the old arrangement. I'd like to close this inaugural podcast with a rousing performance of We Say Mabuhay, the way it used to be heard and should always be heard. I think you will agree that the fellow who played the kettle drums had the best time of all. Now, here it is, performed by the Presidential Security Group Band under the baton of Major Xavier Celestial.
And on that note, it's only proper to greet every one of you. Mabuhay! Happy Independence Day! Thank you for listening. A note on the songs, these are either recordings in the public domain or deemed as such because of the passage of time or for which permission was granted for their use. Thanks again. And I'd like to thank the patrons of this podcast as well as of my newsletter. Abigail Salta, Ramon Rufino, Carlos V. Hugo, Jerick Peña, and Joseph Planta. See you soon. I'm Manolo Quezon and this is The Explainer Podcast. <laughs>